I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. I actually almost said Ian Morris just there. Did you? Yeah. What is your name? Yeah. Yeah. I think because I thought thought I'd said the wrong thing, but then it turns out I didn't. No, your name is definitely Nate Lagson. I mean, I know we're getting old, yeah, but we're not that old. No. Um, we did start this show a few moments ago, and then um, Pages decided it wanted to update itself. I, I would go so far as to say we've been having a right old time with technology today. Technology? First there was that weird audio problem. Yeah, yeah. Technology's not been pages. our friend today. I think no. it's it must be something to do with Halloween. That's all I can assume. That's all I can assume. You know, I don't see how that would be a thing. Well, if you follow a pagan tradition, then um, I think this time of year, the, the, the veils spirits. between the dead and the living are, are pretty thin. So maybe that's causing a bunch of tech problems. Who knows? How does how does that work scientifically? Oh it, well. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about yes. some news. Uh, let's talk about it yeah. scientifically. Uh, yeah. The Register wrote this week that fewer than half of the UK's 5G users say they've experienced improvements in speed or reliability over 4G. Uh, but surprise, surprise, that's not going to stop some companies wanting to push ahead, uh, ahead and uh, deliver. Ahead? Push ahead. Push ahead? I know. Push it where? Well, probably towards an oven. Um, d- uh, they want to deliver an enhanced version. Guess what it's called, Ian? Uh, is it 25G? You're very close. It's 5.5G. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, more on that in a moment. U-Switch did a survey. The results suggested that upwards of 16 million people in the UK now own a 5G-enabled handset, which is more than I would have assumed. Um, But experiences with the network standard are mixed. Ah. Um, About 41% of people who have 5G say that... um, uh, that it's improved speed for them, but that means that about sixty percent uh, think that having five G has done absolutely knob all. Um, the survey is based on about two thousand adults across the UK, so take it with a pinch of salt. Um, however, uh, there was another another set uh, another bit of data here. Uh, one in six users thought that five G was overhyped. Except, uh-huh. as the register noted, Huawei's executive director, David Wang, gave a speech at the Global Mobile Forum. No, sorry, Global Mobile Broadband Forum. Now, that is an event we should have been at. We should have been at. Uh, extolling the Verge user 5.5G and urging others in the industry to help prepare to make the leap to 5.5G. Uh, Hold which- on. Which, according says, to Wang, is capable of delivering 10 gigabits per second. I mean, that was what I was going to call out. I mean, this again... It's this stupid number that is what? Why do they give us this number when it is not a number that people see on their devices? It's you know, it's ludicrous. Well, it's like if let's, it's like saying um, the supermarket has five hundred apples. Like, what use is that to any single person? You're not going to be able to eat five hundred apples before they go off. You could, probably wouldn't want to spend that kind of money on five hundred apples, and it's useless. It's like 
tell me what it means to me. Does it mean that for once when I go into Waterloo, I'll be able to look at a web page? No. Because that is impossible as far as I can tell. Yes. It's hard enough to let, get Bluetooth to stay connected at Waterloo Station. And as a slight tease, in the uh, extended Patreon version of today's show, we're going to be talking all about why the web is just completely awful, just broken. And the relationship between web and apps and messaging on that is just a, a nonsense. So we'll come to that later. Um, I think as far as 5.5G goes right now, we are still in kind of buzzword territory where they're, they're asking for people to prepare for it. Um, whereas the reality is that we do I'm not have prepare for it. 5G. We do have 5G. And a majority of people don't seem to think it's made much difference so far. I would be one of those people for the most part. When I'm in the city... I spend yes. the majority of my time at my desk. And at my desk, I do not get 5G because I'm inside a giant sandstone building in yes. bank. Um, 5G has hard enough time penetrating glass, let alone stone. Um, if I go out onto the balcony where one of the, one of the masts was put, where EE took journalists to because it had the highest speed of any network transmitter they had at the time when they were rolling out 5G, even when I stand within not quite spitting distance, but I can see it from the balcony, I do get excellent speeds. But they're not that much faster than 4G at the same spot. And yet I get 4G and the same 4G speeds when I am sitting at my desk. So that is all a long-winded way of saying that you can see the speed difference, but it's not a huge difference because 4G no. is now so good. And also, I can't get it anywhere near as many places as I would like to be able to get it. So, so the 5G thing, obviously, would be would be beneficial if it had delivered on the promise of allowing more users per cell. But I think the problem is that most of the time you're inside a building, like, for example, inside Waterloo, which is... Um, covered in metal and glass and probably an absolutely terrible way to get a 5g signal um and so from that perspective it's like well what's the use of it unless you're going to put transmitters inside so that people are covered when they're in a station i mean i'm just using i know it's not very useful to people who don't live in london and travel to waterloo actually just to interject those people have my apologies it it does because i've traveled around and stations are notoriously bad for this waterloo is bad certainly it is is the busiest station i think in the country if you go to manchester Um, piccadilly you do get similar part similar experiences depending on on where you on where you are edinburgh station as well hit and miss so it is it is a universal thing, but a station is still relatively small. Um, Adam in our live chat says, how much speed do people need on their phone? What are they doing that needs a gigabit connection? Unlimited. Unlimited. I, I need that. I have this month used 350 gigabytes of data on my phone. And the reason for that is twofold this month. One, I went away with a friend and we both tethered our, um, comp- our iPads to it so we could... Uh, do stream uh, steam link remote gaming so that was using a hell of a lot of data but the speed for that was essential um and i do similar with that when i'm in the city and i'm on breaks i tend to play games on my breaks and it all streams from home but it's a heavy use case scenario and it's not for that long at any one given time and i don't think that many people need it to be that fast it's the upload speed that still even on 5g is just nowhere near good enough 
in my experience. I just, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I just want to be able to occasionally, um, I don't know, start a podcast downloading if it isn't already on my device and and have it li- be listenable before I get on the tube. That's what I really want. And and yeah, sure, I don't need 10 gigabits per second for that. But if there's, if we're all trying to do that at the same time in Waterloo Station, then, you know, yeah, 10 gigabits probably would be about right. Mm. Well, I think the best thing we can conclude here is uh, is that the best thing about 5G is that it's made 4G better. So thanks for that. Um, if you've got any views on this, do let us know, of course. Hello at UKTechShow.com. There was something else I read this week that's not strictly yes. strictly news, but I know that it fascinated the pants off you, Ian. It did, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, side note: I had a dream about you last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, you had a new girlfriend, and we went oh, right. to a, a very, very, very heavy uh, metal uh, cost. Uh, uh, <laughs> what is it with you and festival, heavy metal? <laughs> and um, and you got arrested. Oh, did I? Yeah. For what? Well. I can't remember. I woke up. But uh, it just popped back into my head that I had a dream what about What a dream. You. Yeah, it mm. really was. Well, uh, anyway, other things that actually did happen is that somebody on Reddit uh, posted that they had managed to get hold of a decommissioned Netflix cache server. Um, and this was written about, I saw it initially on Ars Technica. I also saw it on Vice. But there's a huge Reddit thread as well uh, where this chap had posted a um, photo of it and had also opened it up and looked at all the content that was inside it i say content or the um the hardware inside it and um reading between the lines of this chap's net uh reddit post he works for like one of these internet backbones or is very senior at an isp but in the in the infrastructural side of it so actually going in and ripping stuff out um and managed to get one of these and one of the replies to the comments when someone asked how did you get it and how much did it cost he basically said it was free i was just told if you want it then you have to carry it home and it took <laughs> two, two people to carry it out of the, the facility yeah. um and the reason i want to talk about this is because we rarely get to see the numbers uh, about how many about basically about how big some of these caches that companies like netflix and google google does this as does, does this as well and i actually assume google's probably bigger but we'll but but we we don't really know for sure we don't get to see the numbers that are involved in some of these things these are for people who aren't aware these are big almost like giant suitcases full of hard drives metal they're big they're heavy and people like Netflix put them into ISPs as a part of edge caching, which means that it reduces the overall load on the network when people are streaming stuff as popular as Netflix shows. And it also means that they are closer to the people that they're being delivered to. Um, so your programs start faster. And before we look at the numbers of this, I also saw there was a chap uh, speaking in the FT this week that said they have about 18,000 servers in 6,000 locations in 175 countries. So there are loads of these things now out there, but they've been doing it for, well, at least since 2013 because we've seen one of these be decommissioned. Would you like to know what is inside one of these things? Yeah. Because I had no idea about any of this. So bear in mind, this is 2013. So almost 10 years ago that this is the case. It had 36 7.2 terabyte hard disks. So take a 7.2 terabyte disk, 36 of them. Yep. 
It also had six half a terabyte SSDs and it had a surprisingly low 64 gigabytes of RAM. Not that much RAM, I'd have thought it'd be much more. But again, 2013. Had two, well, mm. two 20, uh, 750 watt power supplies and a quad port 10 gigabit Ethernet card. And it had an Intel Xeon CPU. So all of that stuff shoved inside. The total means that the server had 262 terabytes of raw storage. That's the, that's the number. And that was in 2013. And I looked up when Netflix started rolling out 4K. And it was a year after this would have been in use because the first 4K stuff started coming online in 2014. So even before we had any 4K content, before Amazon, before Netflix was really doing its originals and all this stuff, it still needed a quarter of a petabyte of storage in each ISP. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. good. I mean, that probably that probably would have been the majority of the library, I'm guessing. Like... Certainly, I think the way... I don't know how Netflix did it. There is an entire... You can read about what Netflix does. <clears throat> they have all these documents open for people to read. They're not hidden or anything. Um, they, um, you know, they, there's obviously a, a strategy in place. And I w- would imagine what happens is the the, the the cash servers end up getting the stuff that gets most likely to be requested. So it would probably be Netflix's biggest stuff. And then things that aren't often asked for probably wouldn't they wouldn't bother with. Uh, but, you know, having that much cash... I mean, I'd love one of those machines, actually, because well, it would be a phenomenal NAS. Well, that's what he's using it for. Well, yes, absolutely. Yes, I, says, I would say that makes the most sense. I'll, um, we'll have a, a link to the Reddit thread, which is... The, it's annoying that it's been deleted because all the photos have gone. It is. I've posted a link in our Discord for everyone who's listening to this live, and... Obviously, look in the MP3 description if you want to find this link, and uh, it'll be at uktechshow.com slash episodes. I assume the reason this got deleted is because it kind of went a bit viral over the last couple of days, and maybe he got told to delete the post. Well, I would imagine so, because I would imagine that those servers are not the belonging of uh, the ISPs that end up with them. I imagine they're Netflix property, um, because I don't recall them charging you have to be a certain size of isp to get them in the first place that's true i don't think it was something that they paid for so it's quite likely that although netflix might have said this this, that's decommissioned now it is still technically their property so i don't know whether that had something to do with it that's definitely true that came up in the thread here that these things they were given free because they really although they benefit the isp they also massively benefit netflix as well they do um so so that's that there were a couple of people who asked some great questions in that thread, one of which said that uh, I had asked about how it compares to newer ones because this person who got access to this really old one was also involved in fitting the current ones. And they said the new ones are, well, the exact quote was packed with flash. So, you know, if you yeah. needed if you needed 260 odd terabytes in 2013 before they were even churning out 4K content... And today they do have all that 4K content and they're packed with flash. Goodness only knows um, how much those things are, are, are worth. Um, so a little inter- anyway, inter- insight there. I wouldn't want to pay for the electricity to run one of those things. Not well, in this climate. No, although it'd be a lot less power consuming to run it off flash than all those spinning, it would. spinning bits of... <sighs> 
that, rust. Yes, yes, that's true to some extent. Yes, it is true. But I mean, it's it's really you know if those things are in operation a lot, the processor is going to be working quite hard. I would imagine that Intel Xeon is a is an eight core sixteen thread thing with a TDP of seventy five watts. Actually, it's relatively decent. That's all right. Um, that's only a tenth yeah. of the of, of one of the two power supplies. Yeah, and so, I mean, it doesn't obviously need anything else in it, but those storage things are just, uh, they're phenomenal, but it's so expensive to put something like that together. Even a, a much more modest version would be oh, phenomenally I'd love, expensive. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to see the numbers of a, of a current one. If anyone listening has any idea of the numbers involved in a current Netflix edge caching server, uh, do let us know because... Oh, the Netflix press office, see how that goes for you. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I haven't tried that. I, I filed Don't it under- bother. Yeah, I filed it under pointless. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> there, there is a major technology company that's more responsive than Netflix, and I'll let you guess which one it is. Mm. Right. Well, if you want to guess that, put it on an email and send it to us. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Tell us about Doctor Who, Ian. I will. In fact, I was going to, but then you said some words, and then now I have to start again. The BBC has announced that Doctor Who will see some important changes in season 14, namely that its international home will now be Disney+. Plus. <gasps> uh, I know. Previously, the BBC showed Doctor Who on BBC America, which is a network that it co-owns with uh, US company AMC Networks. Uh, however, that's set to change with Disney investing money in the show in exchange for exclusive rights outside the UK and Ireland. I should point out this has caused a ruckus in Ireland because whilst the Irish can watch BBC Live, they cannot access iPlayer. So this leaves them without an on-demand solution. Uh, so there's been some discontent about that. The Telegraph uh, reported this week that Disney would gain some creative control, but this baity headline was forced to cede ground to the body copy, which noted that the BBC and returning showrunner Russell T Davis would still have ultimate control over the popular family sci-fi show. The Telegraph noted that the big boost in budget would help the BBC show, offering it money beyond the means of the public service broadcaster alone. Now, I think this is an interesting story because we've previously talked about the BBC maximising its profit of exports um, and giving it more money to replace some of the funding shortages from the licence fee. Uh, however, I sort of expected it to sort of be a more owned venture like BritBox. And I mean, we could talk about BritBox, but um, rather than, a, you know, a US corporation. But I get the feeling, Nate, that BritBox has sort of lost the attention of the BBC and ITV. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely as far as something like this goes, I mean, this is obviously a huge, big hitting programme. It's internationally watched and sold and enjoyed mm. and has been and for loved. Great, and has been for a very long time. And so what you do with something like Doctor Who would be different from something you would do with, you know, Antiques Road Trip, which would have far fewer people caring about where it ended up. And so we are... <laughs> I think looking at this, and by the way, I don't really watch Doctor Who, whereas I do watch Antiques Road Trip. And I well, do like Doctor Who. I used to watch it. But, I've um, recently started watching Doctor Who. Well, just before um, you I, get into just before yes, you get into on. that though, because I think that this is this is something that isn't gonna change how we experience it here in no. in the UK. This is entirely 
how our American friends and indeed everyone who isn't in Britain is going to experience it. We're still going to have Doctor Who first and live and for free on demand, ad free because of iPlayer. This is more a case of how is the BBC repackaging its content overseas and now it's doing it in a way where it can get more money by doing it with Disney. Right. That's yes. a, that's essentially that's the TLDR version, which to me yeah. sounds like a good thing. It does. It, I but mean, is it? Well, I don't know enough as much about this as you do. I would say so I I had I had given up on Doctor Who not because I don't think it's good, but I I don't know, something happened. I it might have just been a time in my life and I was it was Peter Capaldi who I who I rate and love, but I just sort of stopped watching it. And I don't know if it was because I was kind of bored and had seen so many seasons of it since it was rebooted that I just lost interest. But I recently asked a friend who's stayed into Doctor Who this whole time. Who? If he could tell me what I needed to watch to get up to, you know, to get up the story up to date in so I could watch the Regeneration episode, which was on recently. Um, so he very kindly pointed out to me a few episodes that I definitely need to watch. And there's a thread and the master is part of it. And, and the actor who plays the master is just phenomenal. Really good. And of course, and uh, you know, Jodie Whittaker's great. So that, doc- that Doctor Who has been really enjoyable to watch. Some people have complained about Chris Chibnall, or I think that's his name, um, who they say can't write his way out of a paper bag. Personally, I thought some of those stories were really good. There's a, there's a Cyberman episode that I thought was really nice, like proper Who stuff. But people have sort of said things like, oh, it'll get a better special effects budget. Based on the jump that I've seen, they don't need more money for special effects. It looks really good now, like it didn't used to. When they rebooted it, it was a bit of an embarrassment, frankly. Now, it looks amazing. And the opening tune for season 11 was a real banger. So anyway, I don't know. I mean, apart from money, I don't know what Disney's going to get from this you know, really. Well, I, I guess it's getting... nice for them to have a nice wide distribution of a popular show. I assume it's because anything that makes Disney Plus more attractive is a good thing. This is this is a this is a land grab. Do we know if it includes back catalogue stuff or is this from no. the next series onwards? It, it, I believe that's the case. So currently, if you're outside of the UK, um, this is a complicated matter because it's you also can't stream it in the you can't stream classic who and by that I mean the pre Russell T Davis reboot that's only available on BritBox as I understand it um, in the US you have to have it's all on HBO Max for some reason uh, so basically you'd need like two different services to watch the existing back catalogue. Now, that's probably a deal that will expire at some point, and I would imagine that at that point, Disney Plus would get access to the archive as well. Well, they probably get up. first refusal, maybe. Maybe. And I think they'd probably want it, because, obviously, the amount of hours that people spend watching a show is really important in streaming. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's very complicated. But uh, for me, I, I just think, I, as I said, I wonder if the BBC could have made more money from this if it had stuck it on BritBox, which is available worldwide, right? Or at least in a large percentage of the countries that might want to see it. But I note that ITV is about to launch its own premium, premium streaming service that's that includes both the free stuff on ITV and some of its paid 
content. It's going to be called ITVX. I did not know. So it's a plus, but slightly rotated. <laughs> a, a rotated plus, yeah. So I didn't know that. I didn't know ITV's doing that. This is what I'm thinking now, because it because they they have also completely stopped. This came out because they've cancelled Spitting Image. And it came out that they're not commissioning new comedy for BritBox. They're moving new commissions to ITVX. And they said, and this made me laugh, they've, they've apparently commissioned a hilarious show using deepfake technology that places celebrities in hilarious situations. Um, and I, I tweeted that it sounded absolutely awful. That sounds like a dangerous road to be going down. I, I also used the word dangerous. I mean, I assume they're going to have to have permission to do this, but it sounds awful. Given what, you know, happens with deepfakes, I, I just... It really, it leaves me cold as well, a concept. The, um, the South Park guys were going to do something with deepfakes. I think a movie starring Donald Trump, a deepfake yes. Trump. Did you see the videos that, that um, no. oh, what's it? Peter Serafinovich voiced them and they were deepfakes of Donald Trump and they were unbelievable. I didn't see those. I looked them up, but I know that the pandemic got in the way of that and then time moved on. But I, it's it's the kind of thing that in the in a world of, deep fakes and not necessarily wanting to sensationalize things that didn't happen i do wonder whether it's a yeah, good time it's, for it's something an like absolutely this. terrible but, idea. but 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 let's not let's not get too sidetracked the fact no. is there's another itv streaming service and now doctor yeah. who's going to disney plus i mean maybe this maybe we should be asking questions about uh about britbox which well, I, I mean, mean i, I know are. you you liked britbox didn't you i not enough to subscribe to it that's the yeah thing. well exactly i like the I, idea I it it left me cold because if I'm in the mood for something old, I don't want to. I don't want to have to pay for it. Really, I feel like I've already paid for most things once. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously that's not the way the world works, but I sort of feel like if you if you want to do something like that, it's got to be really good and it's got to be world class and it's got to compete with Netflix. You know, to quote the stupid government and their stupid often said, "Oh, we're streaming well with Netflix. The BBC must compete." Yes, it must, but not you know the public service bit like the streaming aspect so i don't know what the future holds for the bbc globally um i would like to see it be you know more like disney plus with with people subscribing from all over the world but it just it's the law stands in the way of it happening i believe well i think we will be keeping our eye on this it's the kind of thing that fascinates ian and i maybe it fascinates you listening i hope it does because you've just listened to it for 10 minutes um if you have any views on this of course particularly if you're overseas and you're interested in the doctor who stuff coming to disney plus if that makes a difference to you do let us know we'd love to get feedback along those lines what are we doing in britain that's of of interest to you that's always interesting the clues in the name in the word interesting um but we are going to move on but let me know any thoughts you have on all of this hello at uktechshow.com i wanted to thank some patrons here before we go too much further um we've got a huge audience listening live today people popping in and out we've had adam and charlotte and john luna mike rich and russ we've had others as well and i want to thank everybody because they get to listen to the show live they also get extra message our sister show they can listen on demand they get access to our back catalogue of recordings both edited and live unedited full of stuff 
But you can find out more about all the things on offer. And if you'd like to support us by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And if you are one of those people, you're going to now hear our next discussion story, all in praise of single purpose websites and the hatred of most websites. Right. We had a good chat there, Ian. I think it was one of our best ever conversations. Yes, it was It was all right. Certainly in the top a top 10 percentile. Um, but uh, if you like other conversations about technology, I'll tell you someone else you can listen to. Tom Merritt. He does a show every day in the week called Daily Tech News Show. Here's what's been happening this week on Daily Tech News Show. This week on Daily Tech News Show, an explanation of the U.S. crackdown on Chinese chip making and what effect it's actually having, and it is having one. Shannon Morris really seems to like the new Pixel phone and the Pixel watch. She's had an up-close and personal experience with them. She talks about that. Captain Brian Hoffman explains that GPS outage in Texas a few weeks ago and why it delayed flights. Also, what we think Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter now that he owns it. And Pantone can now charge you money to add its colors to Adobe products. Nate Langson joins us and talks about that. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. He's not wrong. I did. Well, I, I saw that story and it's ridiculous. That was a, about my ex, my summary of it. <laughs> I mean, given that people are paying on a monthly basis for Adobe products these days, and you know they're, they're basically clearly just refusing to pay Pantone, uh, the whole thing is disgusting, really. Well, you can listen to that uh, slash me slash Tom slash everything uh, they just uh, just said by going they, Tom, what Tom just said. <laughs> he, he, by going to uh, dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you for having me, Tom, and thank you for the promo. Uh, thank you, everybody, as well, who has been listening. Um, we've plugged Patreon enough this week, but um, if you're listening for free, it would be amazing if you would give us a review if you like the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcasts for. That is amazingly helpful. Um, it's as useful to us as becoming a patron. So um, times are hard right now. We get that. Um, but leaving us a review or telling a friend genuinely it is the other big main thing you could do to help us keep the show going so um, please do that Um, I don't have anything else to add Ian I don't know if you would like to finish us off here I I feel like this show's been pretty decent I mean it's flowed well we've talked about what we wanted to talk about no one's uh, been threatened with any sort of malice or violence just your average text message people see you next week (laughs) bye